Thank you, folks. It's really important that we pray, isn't it? We're, we're, we're doing something spiritual here. We're, we're not just kind of having a lecture about how to be more religious. Uh, we're coming to, to learn more about the living God, and so we need him to be active here right now, invisibly but powerfully doing stuff, opening up. Because the stuff that we're, we're trying to learn about is big, it's complicated, it's, it's, it's way beyond what a human mind can grab hold of, what God is like and what he expects of us. Um, and so we need to ask him, Holy Spirit, please open our eyes, help us to, to understand this. And he does that. He comes down and you and I, normal human beings, can learn and, and appreciate things that are way beyond what the normal person can understand. And that's why when we worship, it sometimes just takes off because we're expressing amazing things about, a, about our God. Uh, and the normal guy on the street thinks, they're, they're nutters. What are they getting so excited about? It's, it's just religion. It's more than that, isn't it? So, so we do just ask, Holy Spirit, that as we come and study your word, that you just open up to us some amazing things, yes, from your word. Amen. Um, I need to say, first of all, I've got a very red eye here. I, I don't know why, but I have. The people in the front row can probably see. Uh, there's no need to be alarmed. It is, in fact, a bionic eye, and, and it means... That if anybody starts falling asleep, I see them glowing. Okay, so <laughs> it's fortunately not at all painful. Right, our identity in Christ is the subject. And the bit that we're going to focus on in that this morning is just what it means to be in Christ. Because it's a phrase that we come across quite a lot. But what does it really, really mean? What does it mean to be in Christ, and how does that affect my identity? Okay? Um, and where we're going to be reading from is in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, there are lots of different versions, of course, these days. How do you pick what, which to read from and, and so on? But uh, this is the Holman's version, and other versions exist, but for what I want to say, what I want to communicate, this seems to encapsulate it the best. And I want you, as we read, just to watch for every time it says in Christ or through Christ. That's what we want to learn about. So we're getting into the Scripture and we want the Holy Spirit to reveal that to us, don't we? Yeah? So let's go. Our identity in Christ, this is Ephesians 1, starting at the first verse. And it's Paul writing it, probably about, was it AD 57, something like that. He's writing from prison, and he's writing to the Ephesian church. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, we could say, and Southport. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavens. For he chose us in him 
before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted through Christ, through Jesus Christ for himself, according to his favor and will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he favored us with in the beloved, in Jesus, yeah? We have redemption in him, in Christ, through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. I love that word, lavished on us. Grace lavished on us. What a God we serve. Lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he planned in him for the administration of the days of fulfillment to bring everything together, this version says, in the Messiah, both things in heaven and on earth, in him. And we have also received an inheritance in him, in Christ, predestined according to the purposes of the one who works out everything in agreement with the decision of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in the Messiah might bring praise to his glory. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. There's a lot going on in Christ, isn't there? Look at that lot. Shall we just have people shouting out some of those things? What do we receive in Christ? Just have a look at those verses. An inheritance in him, yes. Redemption in him. Forgiveness in him, hallelujah. There's hope in him, there is. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. Wow, that covers everything, yes. <laughs> hallelujah. There's unity, isn't it? Because at the end it says it brings everything together in him. There's grace, there's revelation, and there's, there's also that, that we were chosen in him that we should be holy. So there's holiness in him and incredible word, blamelessness in him. It takes a supernatural God to take my life that is full of blame and sin and actually through Jesus Christ, in him, through his death, render me blameless, and not just blameless in my sight, <laughs> or even in your sight, but blameless in his sight. When he looks at me, despite my past and the bad stuff I've done, he looks at me and says, he's, he's faultless, he's blameless, he's, he's perfect, he's exactly the kind of son I want. Yeah, it's just, that is extraordinary. 
So that's all stuff in Christ. And to be honest, it, the more you read that, the more the Lord will show you about this stuff. So as homework, you could go away tonight and just, just read some more of that, read it again, and let God speak to you about those many things that you are in Christ. But I want to spend a bit of time thinking about what it actually means to be in Christ, because when I sort of read this quite a few years ago now, and I, I like to really drill down and think, what, what does it really mean to be in Christ? And first of all, I thought, well, it's a bit like being in a plane. You can know everything about the plane. You can understand the aerodynamics or whatever. You can, you can understand that it could take off and it could take you somewhere. You could study planes. You could know all about them. You could get to the airport and you can watch them. But there has, if that plane is going to be any use to you, there has to be a point, doesn't there, where you get on the plane. We can know everything about our God. We can enthusiastically join in the worship. We can go along to church. But unless we actually get into Christ, unless we get on the plane, we ain't going nowhere. We, we achieve nothing. But hallelujah, when we get on the plane then we're going to destinations that we would never achieve otherwise. The plane is going to take you higher than you're ever going to be able to manage on your own. It's going to take you faster and further than you could ever achieve. Wherever that plane goes, once you're on it, you're going with that plane, aren't you? It'd be impossible to sit on the seat in the plane and still be waiting at the airport when the plane takes off. You go with the plane. And so there's something about the truth of being in Christ that means wherever Christ goes, my life is hidden there in him. And that's why when he died, that death counts for me as well. And that means when Christ raised him up again, when God raised him up again, that same power is available for me because I'm in the plane. I'm in Christ, okay? Uh, that is amazing. I suppose when I, when I go to an airport, I, I've got a bit of a phobia, not of the actual flying, but I've got a phobia of airports that I might miss the plane. Are you the same? This, you, you get there hours early and <laughs> you're watching all the time for the call, and uh, I can't believe these things where it, it says this is the last call for passenger so-and-so, and you think, what are you doing, man? Are you not waiting there to, to get on? Uh, how can it be? Uh, yeah, and so I, I never really relax until I'm actually sitting on the plane. Then I calm down. So I wonder if perhaps that's just something British about us, that we're likely to, if the worst is going to happen, it's going to happen, you know, <laughs> the potential of missing this plane. And perhaps we think that spiritually, uh, you know, how do I know that I'm in Christ and, and supposing I'm not and something's gone wrong somewhere and I miss that? Uh, and some people, they do all sorts of things to make sure that they're, they're on the plane spiritually. Yeah, they go along to church a lot. And they try and behave as if they're on the plane, if you like, yeah? Spiritually, they're behaving like Christians. But these verses just show us, uh, down at the bottom there, verse 14. Um, I'll just read it again. If I can find the page. 
But we also, uh, so it's from verse 13. When you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in him, you were also sealed. So how do we get on this spiritual plane? Two simple things. You've got to hear. You hear the message and you believe, yeah? And spiritually, that's the way you get into Christ. Have you heard the message? I think everybody in this room has heard the message. It's the message that says, you can't get there on your own strength. Jesus Christ died for you on the cross for you to take the penalty for your sin. And because of that, if you believe that that happened and you say so, you're on the plane. You're in Christ. So all these amazing things, these are not for, for people that have really achieved it in God, yeah, the, that have done the degree, that have got their doctorate perhaps. This is for average Joe blogs. This is just believe it. And these things, all the blessings of Christ in Christ are ours. It's an amazing message, isn't it? Isn't it awesome? All right. So, if you're not on that spiritual plane, whether you're listening online or whether you're here, find somebody to talk to about it. You need to get on that. On that. You need to get into Christ, yeah? And your life from that point will never be the same again. It'll be the difference between people who watch the plane from the ground and the people who actually get on it and go somewhere, yeah? And those of us who've got on that plane and started going so we don't look back, do we? We don't say, oh, I wish I was back in the old airport waiting. <laughs> All right. But, of course, the Apostle Paul didn't know about planes. So that can't be exactly what he was talking about when he said, in Christ. Perhaps he was thinking more about a boat. He'd have known about boats. I think Paul knew boats quite well. He had some <laughs> quite life-changing experiences in boats, did Paul? But it's the same thing, isn't it? You get on that boat, and once you're on it, wherever that boat goes, it goes up, you go up. It goes down, you go, and up again, and down again. Uh, if it goes left, you go, you go left, you go right. Wherever the boat goes, you go. And that boat lets you get to a destination that you'd have a real problem getting to on your own. Swimming it, not advised. Yeah? Um, it's the same stuff. It reminds me of Jesus in the boat. The, the disciples were actually going to get to the other side, whatever. They were in the boat with Jesus. And Jesus was asleep in the boat going through that storm. And the disciples were going through the same storm, but in a panic. And, and you and I, we're going through some stuff many times in our lives. Uh, but we're in Christ. So you can choose to be at rest or you can choose to panic. One way or another, that boat, you know, the disciples there, they, although they were in the boat, they were actually, more importantly, in Christ, weren't they? Yeah? They were in Christ, and Christ was going from one side to the other, and there was no way that a little storm was going to get in the way of that plan of God, and our lives are like that too. Hallelujah. But I think it's more than a boat, because when we're in Christ, Christ, I mean, he's a person. So there's something more than just 
thinking that he's like this huge inanimate object that we get into, yeah? He, he's not a boat. He's, he's a living being. So there's something else that it's a bit more like. So I thought, well, perhaps it's a bit more like being in a family. It's certainly true when you're a young person, when you're a kid in the family, that wherever that family goes, you go with it. Whatever that family experiences, you experience in the family. When one suffers in the family, all of us, in a way, suffer, don't we? Yeah? We share everything together when we're in the same family. And so in Christ, it's something like that. Something like we're in it and, and we experience the th- same things as Christ. But I don't think that's entirely what it's about either. Um, there's another facet of being in something when we talk about all sharing the same experience together. 1 Corinthians 10.1, Paul says this, I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers, the people of Israel, were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from a spiritual rock that followed them. The idea of the rock following them sort of made me think, well, the rock following them. They all drank from a spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. They were in in Moses, these people. And I'm interested in that because Paul says those people were in Moses because they'd been through that experience under him and with him. They'd been through some stuff. And so perhaps there's a little bit of that, that we when we're in Christ, we experience the same things as him. Paul actually says that he wants to be found in him, not having my own righteousness from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to him in his death, so that somehow I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. So there's something of that. But I still don't think I've quite nailed it down, what it means to be in Christ. Um, there's a verse, though, in 1 Corinthians 15, 22, if you're making notes. 1 Corinthians 15, 22, which is key. And in this, Paul says, For as in Adam all die, in Christ all will be made alive. Now, that's good because Paul is saying something about what it means to be in Adam, and I can compare that to what he's talking about being in Christ. And and so, there's a clue here. This is really important verse. And it's about ancestry, isn't it? All of us can trace our ancestry back to Adam. There's a bit of a move even amongst evangelicals today to say because of the discoveries of science and so on that there can't have actually been an Adam. A lot of people say as well that the creation story and everything is just a kind of myth. It's a way of explaining it. 
But it didn't really happen like that. It's up to you where your faith is at with that, basically. Uh, generally, I, when I get to heaven, I want to find that I'm embarrassed because I've believed too much rather than be embarrassed because I haven't believed enough. Yeah? Is that you guys as well? Yeah? So we're going to be believers first. And if we get there and an angel says, well, actually, you know, it was a bit figurative the way he created the Garden of Eden. <laughs> you know, we're in heaven. Who cares? Um, but, but, but I don't want to get there and think, oh, I didn't believe that. and I didn't believe that. But actually, it was true. But listen, for this, for this thing, it's really important that there was an Adam and the Adam did sin, and Eve did sin, and somehow that sin has tainted the whole of humanity. It's really important to cling on to that. It's a key theological concept. It's here, right? In Adam. So we can trace our ancestry, every one of us, back to Adam. So we begin to get a bit of a sense of identity here. I've, I've got some ancestry, and it's back in Adam. And you can see what God thinks about that identity. He says, in Adam, all die. You all die. Yeah? It's all nothing. It's diddly squat. It means nothing that we are in Adam. In Adam, you all die. Then one of the greatest buts pretty much in there. So in Christ, all will be made alive. I like the ancestry thing. For me, it, it means a lot. My surname, Bissett, I can trace back to um, a Bissett, a, a specific Bissett who came over from France to help a Scottish king um, called King William, I think. Uh, it was a long time ago, I've forgotten. Um, but my ancestor, a thousand years ago, did that, came over and was given land near Aberdeen there are still lots of bissets around Aberdeen, okay? I have a signet ring. I have a Scottish tartan. Uh, so I've, I've got a kilt. I didn't wear it today, though, guys. Sorry. Um, uh, too hot for this weather. Um, but, but that bissit, I've got, I've got a family motto that says, bissit, when cut down, will rise again. I really love that. I've had many times in my life where I've been totally cut down, demolished. I've made a complete mess of it. But in God, there's resurrection life always, isn't there? There's an opportunity to rise again in him. Hallelujah. So I love my motto. And, and the, the crest is a picture of a tree stump that's being cut right down. But there's a little shoot coming out the side. It's, it's rising again. Yeah. So all that stuff means something to me. But then when I find out that really it's in Christ that all be, will be made alive, that sense of identity of who I am as a bisset, that means, again, nothing. It gets me nowhere in terms of who I really am. It's just a little bit of interest on the side that. Because the really important thing for all of us is that our ancestry it's not a very long ancestry because it's you, child of God, God the Father. That's where it all starts. And we're all his children. And that's the really important thing. 
You want to get your motto from God. You want to get your symbol from God, don't you? You know what? You've got a surname, and it's the same surname as God himself. Yeah? It's the same. Uh, There's a verse. Ephesians 3.14. For this reason, Paul says, I kneel before the Father from whom every, we could say, spiritual family in heaven and on earth derives its name, NIV says. I've got his surname. It proves where I'm from. It's sealed. I'm his child. That's identity for you, isn't it? That's what it's all about. In Christ, we're all children of God through faith, Galatians 3 says. I'm going to give you three things that are symbols, that are things to think about in terms of your identity in Christ. And the first one is that you've got a new name. You've got a new ancestry. You've got a new family that you belong to, a new name. And that makes all the difference to me because I'm on the plane. Okay, the second thing that I've got is not only a new name, but I've got a new nature in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. And look, new things have come. And I'm kind of choking up because that is such an awesome verse. Maybe not to all of you here who've become Christians and been quite wonderful since then, but, but I've really, I, I, I've really messed up. And, and it's just wonderful to think in Christ, there's a new nature, the old stuff, the, the old stuff's He doesn't see that anymore. He sees me blameless. He sees this new nature that that I have. It's his nature. It's because I'm his child. I can, even more so than I look at my children and see something of myself in them. We're we're much more than that. This this nature that we receive from God is, is awesome. Somebody shared on the internet just recently, um, just the last couple of days, it's a speech from Queen Elizabeth I. I'm not sure if you saw it. It was Ralph Hilton that posted it, those of you who know it. It's a, and this is Queen Elizabeth I when she was making a speech uh, to the people of the UK. Uh, was it the UK then or just England? I have no idea. Somebody historical can tell me that. Um, but she was making a speech because the Spanish Armada was coming. And it's a great speech. Find it, read the whole lot if you like. This was uh, 9th of August, 1588, Tilbury Docks. Queen Elizabeth I uh, says, amongst other things, I know I have the body of a weak and feeble woman, but I have the heart and stomach of a king. And of a king of England, too. 
and think foul scorn that Palmer or Spain or any prince of Europe should dare to invade the borders of my realm. That's powerful stuff, isn't it? But, but this is you and me. We've got the bodies. We've got, we, of, of, dare I say, weak and feeble men and women, yeah? We've, we're like that. The world looks at us and thinks, who, who, you know, they're just, who are they? But when we come into the nature of God, we've got this, you know, we've got the nature of a king. I've got the stomach and the strength and the ambition and the authority, if you like, of a king. I, you know, the armada can come. Satan can line all sorts of stuff up for our lives. But we've got the stomach of a king, haven't we? We're not going to be knocked down by that sort of stuff. We've got a new nature. The enemy's trying to get you dragged down and get you looking at stuff on the internet that you shouldn't. Or, or he's attacking you, making you worry about your finances. Or, or you've been to the doctor and it's bad news. But you've got the nature of, of the king, the king, the king of kings inside you. You can face anything. We're overwhelming conquerors. In him, the Bible says, what can come against us? Hallelujah, a new nature. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm righteous. I'm blameless. I'm holy. I'm redeemed. I'm blood-bought. That's who I am. In Christ. Yeah? Hallelujah. All right. So we've got a new name and we've got a new nature. And I was really struggling for N's. There's not many words beginning with N that are suitable in the English language, I can tell you. Kept thinking of things that do not, do not work. But this works. We've got a new narrative. Yeah? We've got a new story. The old has passed. And now something amazing and new is happening for us. There's a new story, a new plan when you're in Christ, a new destination. There's a new purpose. It all changes when you're in Christ, doesn't it? Just a few things. For you died, this is Colossians 3.3, 3, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's a new security throughout your whole life, a new belonging. There's a new safety. You're hidden. What a beautiful word, hidden. What can come against you? You're hidden in Christ. And we've sung about it already, 2 Corinthians 1.20. All the promises are yes in Christ. We've got a new promise of blessing. We've got a new hope in this amazing story that God's going to write in our lives, yeah? So you are on the plane in him, on the runway, and you know that moment when you begin, the engines begin, you know, it doesn't take ages taxiing. You go this way, you go that way, you stop, you start again. And eventually, though, you're lined up there and... 
And this happens in our own life sometimes, doesn't it? Nothing seems to happen for a long time. But we've got the word of God that this is a new season coming, a new season. We're at the beginning of a runway here. And you begin to feel the engine building up, don't you? The roar of it. The roar of what God is going to do in this period that's coming now, yeah? The engines, and then it begins to move, and you begin to get pushed back into your seat. And you think, wow, and this is not anything to do with my power. It's, it's the power of the plane, yeah? So it's the power of being in Christ, the Holy Spirit. And we begin to trundle down the runway, and it goes faster and faster. And we can begin to take off into him, and we begin to go into new places in him. And we've got, as Ali was saying, new horizons in this period, and we're going to those because we're in Christ, yeah? You have a new identity, a new name, a new nature, and hallelujah, a new narrative in him. Hallelujah? Hallelujah. Good. We're going to break bread together, and, and this is really, really precious, this, because if you like, I mean, this, the, this, these, um, this bread and the wine symbolizes a lot of things. It symbolizes our unity. It symbolizes Christ's suffering and so on. But, but we can take this to mean, yes, thanks, Jeremy. We can take this to mean today I'm taking this as a symbol, as a demonstration that I am in Christ, yeah? These things welcome us into him, Yeah? He's saying, come on, then, get on the plane. There's something wonderful about this bread, because did you catch the bit that says that in Christ, to bring everything together on earth and heaven in Jesus Christ, all together. And so when I take this bread, it's one loaf, and we're going to break it up and take parts of it, but we're all participating in the one loaf. But just think about it. This is the one loaf of heaven as well. So you're, when you take this, just remember, I'm part of heaven. I'm part of everything that is God is doing in the entire universe. I've got my part to play and my plane's going into it. Um, and let's also remember that it didn't come cheap, this. It, th this bread, this body of Christ that we can partake of, was purchased with this blood and just the awesome cost of what Christ went through, the, the agony and the punishment for you and I so that we could come into this amazing family and identity with him, yeah? Father God, we just, we, we are awestruck at your, your plan, your wonderful plan to bring us into yourself, into Christ. We pray that, Lord, we'll never, ever just live as if we were still in the airport, but that we'll live every day, Lord, conscious of who we are in you, that we'll live worthy of that calling, God. We pray that as we take this bread... Lord, we'll just have more love imparted into us for one another and that there'll be a strengthening of that bond that we share together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, and Lord, as we take 
take the wine, we're just going to think of your, your suffering, the enormous cost that you paid. And we just, we're just eternally grateful, Lord. And we surrender to you. We ask that that same attitude that you had to be a servant of everybody to your death will be in us as well, to serve one another in Jesus' name. We give you thanks. Amen. Yeah, please just take the bread and the wine and just think about those things as you do. Bless his name.